We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. At Delta, we know Mike NHC prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. On the next flight, 8C is Mandy, a foodie. So we offer all types of food options. Because at Delta, everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of an infection including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Hi, I'm Hannah Brown and welcome to Better Tomorrow. My absolute favorite thing to do is have a heart-to-heart talk with my new friends and my best friends, where we sit down and talk about all the things like relationships and love, faith, and self-care. And of course, the little things as well, like the struggle to figure out what to eat tonight. All in all, I really want to ask, how am I better today than yesterday? And bring artists, entrepreneurs, and friends along on the journey. So join me on the journey, will you? Welcome back to Better Tomorrow. I'm so glad that you're here. It is the beginning of November. I cannot believe we are almost to the end of the year, end of holiday season. I don't know about you guys, but all my Christmas is put up already. It is November 8th. It's pretty early um, to already have all the Christmas up, I do admit, but it had to be done for just... If it was going to happen, it had to be done this weekend. So my mom and my Aunt Lisa came and helped me. And y'all, it looked like Christmas threw up in my house. I was really stressed because it was so disorganized. And then somehow um, on Sunday, it came together and looked like Santa Claus house. That's what my house looks like right now. It's It looks really good. I'm excited to share with you guys soon. Um, but that's how I spent my weekend. And I know that the time changed and I felt like when you have an extra hour of sleep, I should be less tired, but I'm more tired. Maybe because of all the glitter, I'm not really sure. But this episode was recorded before I got my new mic. So the audio, you're just going to have to bear with us on. Um, It is fixed now. Our conversation was with Robin Del Monte. You may know her as Girl Boss Town on social media. She got her start doing PR moves and suggestions, uh, predictions, all those things for celebrities and brands. And 
she shares them on our social media and then it's just kind of evolved from there. And it's really cool to be able to hear kind of the backstory of how she became so obsessed with advertising and why she just has this passion for pop culture. We talk a lot about that, but we also talk about she lost her mom and just how she's dealt with grief and how she gives back to other people who are also grieving losing a parent. So um, it's kind of a twofold of the conversation of what we talk about. We talk about making your own way, how her content is so unique and she's really there's really nobody else like her doing what she's doing and how she's created that and quit her more, you know, corporate job to pave her own way in social media, doing what she loves. And then how she also gives back and does what she loves um, by being able to, you know, create this community of people who are grieving, but it sounds so sad, but it's not. It's like just being able to create a community of people that you feel like you can really talk about the crap that's going on in your life and how you feel and how important that is for people to feel like they can be vulnerable about the hurt and the pain in our lives. So it's a really great conversation. I hope you enjoy. Robin, thank you so much for being on Better Tomorrow today. I am I mean, I'm going to say this like a zillion times, but I'm just so impressed by you and what all you've accomplished in a year is pretty crazy. And your story, I think, is very inspiring for other people for taking your passions and making it like your purpose and your job. It's it's really inspiring for me because I think sometimes I don't think I get as passionate about things. And it's something that I get a little like I'm not confident about and I wish there was like something I was obsessed with. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know, hearing your story of how you found that thing and then you really just like cultivated that and then get to just like be yourself, do what you love for a job. It's Mm -hmm. really cool. And thank you you for so much, but you can continue what you're saying, but I did just want to say thank you so much for recognizing that, but I don't think you're alone. And I also don't think that everything is like picture perfect when you get to do your passion as your job. It's a massive privilege, totally, a million percent. And I know that every day and I have such gratitude for that. But I feel like when creativity becomes your career and there's pressure on it and there's pressure on your passions, it's almost like elevated even more. But that's when I do my best work. So it's such a blessing and such a privilege to do what I love for a living. But there is a lot more that goes into it. And I also don't think you're alone for being like, wait, what is like my one big thing that I want to do? I feel like I'm still constantly figuring things out about myself and that might change in the future. Yeah. I feel like I have a lot of things that I'm really interested in, but I talk to some people like, oh my gosh, I'm so obsessed with knitting or uh, like my uh, Adam, my boyfriend's like obsessed with jujitsu and he's like constantly watching weird jujitsu stuff all the time. Like I don't have something that I'm like laser focused in, but I think you said something about like that can sometimes have its own difficulties when your passion is your job, because does it sometimes like suck some of the passion out of it and the creativity? I feel like I would have a really hard time staying creative. And I, I actually know this because I have to be creative with pressure of, oh, like this brand needs it to look this way and it has to perform. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Have you felt a shift in how you feel about the things that you love now that you're you are having those opportunities? One hundred percent. But I wouldn't. I don't think it's like a shift in the sense of that. Like it like sucks it out of me, but. I do have to find more ways in my everyday life to be creative without pressure. So mm-hmm. when I just consistently am on the hamster wheel and I'm pumping out content or doing consulting or like having somebody tell me, be creative. Okay, now go. Then I start to like not be myself as much. And when I'm not myself, obviously I don't do my best work. So ways in which I find like a good way in which I help myself kind of get through those struggles or those times when I feel like it's too much and I'm not creative anymore because I have to be is finding new passions and ways to use my creativity that have nothing to do with my job. Um, Even sometimes somebody gave me this great advice that if you're creative in your career and you're constantly having to brainstorm under pressure, the best thing to do is to go on a walk without your phone, without music, which is really hard for me. And just like be alone with your thoughts and like have no pressure and take, take in nature, like exercise, get your body moving and just like allow your brain to work without the pressure of expectations of validation and kind of get back to my roots of just like, imagining and creating this world for myself of creativity and dreams and having no pressure or deadline behind that. But it it does get to you. But at the same time, I feel like what a blessing to have that problem. You're so right. I also feel like when my best stuff is created or um, my best conversations come from a place where I am I don't have that pressure. I am on a walk and I haven't done that in a while, like a walk without music, my phone. And when you said that, I'm like, oh my gosh, that is when I've had some of my best ideas. I need to do that again. So thank you. Or like in the shower. Yeah. Sometimes there's music on in the shower, but like when you're just like, I have so many of my ideas in the shower, it's because it's like, you're literally just alone with your thoughts. But back to what you were saying, kind of about like trying to level up in your creativity based on what others are doing around you, especially in people who have careers like ours, you are successful because you are who you are. Yeah. Like people love you and follow you. So as much as we can try to replicate things that have become successful in the past or take ideas from that, I mean, that's obviously great, but it's like, you always have to remember that the reason you are successful is because of yourself. So searching and comparing others around you is just gonna like point out to the fact that yeah I mean like they're successful because that's their thing but like you're you you already got this far from just being yourself so like take a little bit of the pressure off but some pressure is good but it's it's, you need to remember that for sure I I think I mean this is why I'm like this is hitting home for me already there is like this fine line of finding inspiration and still cultivating your own authenticity because I do think it's important and I love being around people that inspire me or following people that I'm like wow their content's amazing or their messaging is just like spot on and I feel that but then there is a line where you can cross over to like you're constantly comparing and then you're trying to do something that they do Mm -hmm. but you're always going to be just like a lesser version of that because that's And yeah, I struggle with that just. And to be transparent, like it's really hard. 
we've both had amazing accomplishments in like a short amount of time in our life, but even still, you never think of that when you're no. looking at others. Never. No. No. But I will say, I think that the, the things that have thrown me off in life the most and or have been failures or where I've been at my lowest have genuinely been the reason why I have found success. So a lot of the times when I'm in these low points or comparing myself or in a lull, I'm like, you know what? Maybe that's what I need because every time I've been in that before, not in the moment, I don't feel like that, but I've always found perspective for my pain and it's always pushed me to be where I need to be or given me perspective or insight and being like, okay, like I didn't get this job and I really wanted it and that person got it and that sucks. But then a month later, I got something that I'm so much meant is so much more meant for me. And in the moment though, you're like, oh, like, why didn't I get that? Or oh, why aren't I doing this? And then when the right thing comes around, you're like, okay, that's why. And like that heartbreak is why I'm so grateful for this now. Yes. So it's like turning inwards, trying to think of all these like things that we all, we both know. And even that I'm reciting right now. Um, but in the moments when it's dark, it's, it's dark, but it's I really try that. to. I mean, <laughs> I got, I get to the point of like, when I know it's really dark, I'm like, oh, it's really dark. That means that some, something really great is going to happen. Too. I mean, there's always, there's, you know, there's light and dark for a reason. Like they complement each other. You're not always going to be in the darkness. Like what comes next is going to be bright and light, but man, is it is hard to remember that in those times. So, well, I want to get into what you have gone through to, where you are now, because now you kind of have like two jobs. I feel like, like forward facing what people see is you talk a lot about pop culture and you give advice for PR moves, but then behind the scenes, you are doing actual social strategy and creative development for some of our favorite brands. Yeah. But that was, you do not have, I would say the classic path to this point. And I think with a lot of content creators, there really is no like classic path to how where everyone's, you know, has these really cool career paths, but I think yours is really interesting. And so I want to get there, but first I want to go back to like early childhood, understand Robin, this love for PR and pop culture has, has to come from somewhere, but what were your hobbies and interests when you were a child? Was that yeah. So I always say I grew up, um, my dad was in my life, but essentially I grew up with a single mom in a house with three other sisters. So there was all girls in the house and my a mom an energy. Yes. <laughs> all the time, which was so inspiring. Um, even though when I was little, I was like, I want her to be home, but now I'm so glad that she showed me that. But I say the TV was my babysitter, unfortunately, but it gave me a career. So I'm okay with that. Um, I grew up at like six, seven years old watching MTV. I watched Oprah every single day after school. And with a mix of MTV and Oprah, I think that's like what first girl boss town because there was like the heart and the storytelling of oprah but then like the drama of the real world and or like the simple life um and i definitely should not have been watching those shows at literally six seven years old like for career day i said i wanted to be on the real world and they were like um try this. um but i think at a very young age i became because pop culture is so much more than like the vapid space that people think. I think I 
just became really interested in storytelling and history. And if you add the glamour of pop culture on top of that, it was just like the perfect mix for me of things to stay interested in. Um, but yeah, I, I fell deeply in love with like teen TV shows like the OC, Gilmore Girls, Gossip Girl. I just like fell headfirst into media at a very young age. And I did end up using it as escapism throughout my childhood as I was going through some dark times. And um, that's where it really started for me. Like I couldn't go to the Spice. I'm 29. I couldn't go to the Spice Girls concert, even though I was like four years old, um, because I was four years old. And like, that's one of my first memories. So And then Ginger Spice left the band on my birthday. So it was just like from a young age, there was like trauma and pop culture. Yes. <laughs> but I'm glad that's where I'm at. But it's always been my thing. And you know what? Some people, it's not. Like I have a lot of friends that are like, wait, which one is Kendall Jenner? I'm like, oh my God. Um, but that's just, it's always been my thing. And I, I take pride in that um, because it's gotten me really far in life when it wasn't supposed to. Today is about looking for new ways to better ourselves, but sometimes that means looking in a totally different place or even a different state. In South Dakota, travel is transformative. It's good for the soul. It's the kind of place to just let go, to escape from routine and predictability of life, to put down the phone and pick up a sense of adventure and to see the world a little bit differently, as in not through our screen. Life in South Dakota is about unplugging from it all and connecting with the world around you. It's about being open to real surprises and treating your senses to a real, raw, natural beauty that doesn't need a filter. Whether you're exploring the mountains and trees of the Black Hills, hiking through the Badlands, navigating the wild towns, or camping under the stars, South Dakota is the place to get a little lost and find yourself along the way. See why there's so much South Dakota, so little time at TravelSouthDakota.com. Where my engaged girls, congrats, you're engaged, so am I. Now you may be like me wondering what's next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. Zola has everything you need to plan your wedding in one place, including venue options and all your vendors. Plus, you can get designs, save the dates, and invites, build a free wedding website, create your registry, and stay on track and on budget throughout the entire process with their free planning tools. Zola has created everything you need to make the whole process super easy and hopefully actually enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or on the couch. Look, I have just now opened the can of worms of all that is wedding planning, but I'm so thankful for Zola because it can help make wedding planning so much easier for all of us engaged girlies. We need to be having fun. We need to be excited. It doesn't need to be a stressful process. And I feel like Zola can really help us engaged girlies enjoy this time of our life because we are celebrating the love that we have created and this beautiful new chapter in our life. And we do not need to be crying over napkins and invitations. So Zola's got us covered. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. There have been many times in my life where I really thought I could trust my gut, but I definitely shouldn't have. Definitely with a lot of those exes in the past, um, when it comes to that low fuel flashing light on my 
car. I just always think that it's not really serious. Trust me, it is. I've been on the side of the road way too many times. Probiotics can't help with most of your gut decisions, but if your gut needs a little support, Ritual has your back. Ritual has made a three-in-one supplement with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome, all in one minty capsule and no refrigeration needed. I love my Symbiotic Plus. I take it every day. It is, it's great because it's got all the biotics in it um, for my probiotic. I feel like it's just really helping my gut in all the ways. And actually, Ritual even invested in a study modeling the human colon, which showed that Symbiotic Plus significantly increased the microbial diversity and the growth of beneficial bacteria. We love that. We love when the thing's actually doing the work that we need it to for our gut. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash Hannah B. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash Hannah B for 25% off. It's so funny you talking about how the TV was like your nanny. Mm -hmm. My parents both like started a business when I was younger and like really had to hustle. I did not come like from like a wealthy background by any chance, like by any means, like they have put in the work, but, um, we would have people that would stay over with us, but I just watched TV. Most yeah. Same with my baby. So we watched like yes. Boy Meets World like all day long. Obviously I know like what you like to do like outside of school, but like, were you a school, like, did you enjoy school? Did oh, you- no, I did really poorly in school. I was a terrible student, but I was the cheerleader and, um, like a, a competitive cheerleader. So I like always got the grades so I could cheer, mm-hmm. um, mostly so I could like creep on my boyfriend at the time. Like, honestly, like it, the reasons I got good grades in school was, is not something <laughs> you should write home about, or I should like watch this to aspire to be. Um, but I think it was because of some of the things that were going on at home and then just like my learning style and how I approach creativity and everything was just not your typical school student. Mm -hmm. But I remember I always did really well in history and my teachers always really like got along with me and saw potential in me, which is why I think they let me not slide, but would kind of like give me a second chance to be like, okay, like if you do this extra credit, like we can do it. Cause I would be great at having conversations in class. But when it came to like tests or homework or like having to sit still and just like not talk and do work, That was not my thing. And then in high school, I took my first marketing class and did this competitive marketing club called DECA. Um, And it sounds nerdy, but I did it so I could like stay at hotels overnight with other schools. It was like kind of like a social thing, but that's where I found my love for like marketing and PR, even figured out like what that was and saw how that aligned with pop culture. And I was like, wait, I think this is finally something I'm confident in. That's so cool that you had that at your high school. I think I've heard of that. I don't Yeah, it's big. It's like FBLA, Future Business Leaders of America. But like, essentially, like there would be like mock trial, but for marketing, like, for example, you would get a, I competed in the PR one and be like, okay, you work for a car company and it hurt X amount of people because of a flaw and how it was made. They're re-releasing the car. How are you going to re-release it? And marketing wise, how are you going to speak to the public about it? What is this going to look like? Um, And you'd have 10 minutes to come up with your pitch and you had to use like six words that they gave you and you like did it in front of judges. Um, But it was very much just like a social thing. Um, But I think that was the first time in my life where I felt like I was really 
smart. Yeah. I, I never, my whole life, I kind of was, wasn't shown that I was capable of, you know, achieving some of the things I wanted to achieve in career wise, or I just never thought of myself as being academic or smart. And that was the first place where I realized that and that it felt good um, and that it could be not traditional. And I think that kind of set me up for my path to get to where I am now. Yeah, it's it's great to find something that you can be like, wow, I'm good at this. And there is a path and a a career that you're good at. Yeah. In high school for me, I mean, you only hear about like a dentist, a lawyer, a doctor. I didn't know much about like, that wasn't what I was really interested in. I thought I wanted to be a doctor because I wanted to make money. Yeah, literally. (laughs) And that's what they tell you. So I was like, okay, I, I was good at school, but honestly, I just had like a really good memory and was a good test taker. Yeah. Could absorb a lot. Uh, but I think that also hindered me from finding a lot of my passions because when you're good at school, you're not really able to foster like one thing mm-hmm. that you can really, you know, build your life around. I could just, I was just okay and good at just about everything where I'm like, all right, like I pass, I pass and people can say you did well. But with that, I think really actually held me back because there was nothing that I was like, had that moment of like, wow, I'm really good at this. Like mm-hmm. really, really good at this better than the other things. I'm going to like really lean into that. I think I had very low self-worth in high school. <laughs> and I think that, you know, not being good at school or like having issues at home and just like kind of going back to the comparison thing that we talked about on social media. But like we said, bringing it back as well, what hindered me actually ended up helping me find myself. Um, and I, and that's the, the other thing that I could say if somebody's in high school right now or even college where as a society, we're taught that like you need to do this to pass, to then get a job, to that like it's just like all of these steps so you're focusing all of everything on passing rather than the content that you're absorbing rather mm-hmm. than how it's making you feel rather than like what you want the next steps in your career to be it's like okay we were taught when you're younger i want to be a doctor because it makes a lot of money but what is being a doctor what does that look like how would that make me feel it's just like we're not really looking i feel like society doesn't teach you to really look inwards in a traditional school sense or just in in life a lot to be like, okay, like, what do I want? Like, and by the way, you're also taught from a very young age that a lot of things are like unrealistic or like, don't make a lot of money. Like, I feel like a lot of my friends want to be teachers, but they'd be like, oh, well, like it could be difficult. Like anything that anybody would want to say or be somebody would be like, well, you know, I don't know about that. Is that really realistic? Or that doesn't make the most money. It's like, we're telling people before they even can become who they are, who they are. Um, and Um, I hope that with social media and building a non-traditional resume like me, like that will change in the upcoming generations. But, um, I feel like we still have a a ways to go with that. Yeah. Like I really loved like my psychology class, but I'm like, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I didn't know anybody that was like a psychologist, like a psychologist. Um, I didn't know the past because I liked I didn't, I don't know. I don't, I didn't know what that really meant. Honestly, yeah. I needed to probably see a psychiatrist and a psychologist, Same. but I didn't, that just sound kind of scary, but I enjoyed that stuff. 
But now you see people that that was the job, the path that they created, but now they're using like TikTok or Instagram and these their social handles. And now they're creating this other massive thing, like a teacher. Like there's so many teachers that have now gone on the TikTok and that is like, I love it career path that they've done of like helping other teachers teach and get through those hard times yeah and bring light to the things that people aren't talking about because like those educators and those people who are like giving up their entire lives to like teach these kids and hopefully break down some of the stereotypes that we were talking about when we were in school um and they're not getting compensated for it or they're not getting treated properly and i'm, I'm glad that TikTok is giving them an outlet to reach out and help each other bring light to it and also get more creative when it comes to um just the job in general yeah yeah i mean there's so there's so many things that i feel like social media is hurtful in a lot of ways and can have harm, but it can also do so much good. Yeah. Um, and what I love to see is not just like people doing like a TikTok dance or doing different voiceovers, but people like you, Robin, that are taking like a real job, mm-hmm. public relations, and then making it something that's all entertaining and it helps other people that are probably looking at your stuff, young girls being like, oh, you know, I'm really interested. Like that is something that I'm really interested in. How can That's I make a favorite out of that in yeah. a way that, you know, most young adults, that's how they're getting their information now is through TikTok. And they, I mean, I think there was some study done that um, when you ask children what they want to be when they grow up, they say they want to be like a TikToker. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is what they want to do. So just have, to make content that is actually showing people like what you can do with it other than just like smiling and making some weird face after you do a dance. I think it's great because we all can't just do that. I don't know how long that's going to, that can't be a career for everyone. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And I think that like, that is the biggest thing that I want out of all of this and want to speak on. And just like scream from the top of my lungs. And there are so many girls who message me being like, I changed my college major because of you. Like I got into PR because of you, or I get so many offers to speak at colleges or just speak with young um, boys and girls, like just like about my non-traditional resume, about marketing, about PR. Um, I can give you, and then I feel like for maybe people who haven't seen my TikTok or heard me, I can give like a little backstory on what I do on TikTok and why. So essentially I um, went to college for communications and then I moved out to LA. So I was like, I'm going to be like Lauren Conrad on the Hills. Let's do this. Like moved out to LA two days after I graduated college with literally no money, uh, like 1999 Toyota Camry. Um, And it didn't turn out like the hills because I didn't have a Viacom camera crew and I wasn't Lauren Conrad. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm in LA. This isn't a true Hollywood story. Like what the hell is going on? Um, So I fell on my face a lot. Um, But after a couple of years in LA, I had to end up moving home due to personal and family reasons and being back home in New England and in New Hampshire and Boston, I was working your stereotypical entry-level marketing positions, which still was kind of difficult for me to get in. And they were like email marketing positions or marketing at a health insurance company or marketing at a real estate company, which is still extremely important and great roles. But for me, it wasn't scratching that like 
itch that I had for pop culture and more creativity and more hands-on. And so I ended up turning to social media to kind of scratch that itch. And I always posted about like pop culture and a little bit about what I post now. And then in June of 2021, I quit my corporate marketing position and got a waitressing job and started working in anthropology and was going to go to esthetician school in the winter because I was like, if I have to work for the rest of my life, I can't be at this corporate marketing job that's not fulfilling me. And all of the creative positions I want in the city, I've sent them 32 LinkedIn resumes and I haven't even gotten a peep. Like I might as well go into something that I love. And in a sense, I kind of gave up, but it me giving up kind of gave me a future. Um, So I was waitressing and working in anthropology in the summer of 2021, um, living on my friend's couch and was at a very low point and was saving up to attend esthetician school in the winter. And it gave me a lot of free time in the sense to post on TikTok. Um, So I started posting ideas and opinions on TikTok. And then one day I came up with this idea to be quite frank, I was hung over on my couch, no makeup on. And I was like, Oh, I love the singer Madison beer. But like, I don't feel like she's as big as she could be. Like, I feel like people have the wrong opinion of her. I was like, what would I do if like I was on Madison Beer's team to like make her pop more than she even is. So I did PR moves for Madison beer. This was in like September of 2021. Immediately after that video was made, um, other influencers started commenting, do me next, do me next. So it kind of started a chain reaction. I was like, okay, this is really cool. And these videos are doing really well. And some of these influencers that I love and look up to are commenting on it. Like, let me just continue to pump out some content with this. And then brands started commenting. And then my following started growing. And then brands and celebrities and influencers started reaching out to me, hung over on my couch asking me to work for them. And I was like, whoa, this is a lot. Um, And I kind of just went viral and had to figure out what my next step was going to be. So um, I got an agent, I got a lawyer, and I kind of just dove headfirst into all of this and quit my waitressing job and job at Anthropology once I started to make a little bit of income from traditional brand deals in uh, January of last year. So I've been doing this for around a year and a half. And at first, I just started posting trend forecasting videos, creative strategy videos, um, creative direction videos, and social strategy videos for my favorite brands and celebrities. For example, I'd be like, here is why I think Uber Eats should do an ad with Hannah for the Super Bowl. This is what the soundtrack would look like. This is what the copy would look like. This is how it makes you feel. This is how we'd market it. Um... And after I started doing that and kind of making a career out of it, I realized I wasn't being invited into these boardrooms traditionally. So I created a digital resume for me to get into these boardrooms. And now I'm not just invited into the boardrooms, but I'm leading the conversation. So I took a negative and I turned it into a positive and it didn't just happen the snap of a finger. It took years. Um, But... I realized the power in my voice, 
the power in having a following that is interested in these types of things and the power to speak with some of the biggest CEOs and CMOs in the world and let them know that they should continue to tap native creators who are on these apps every single day to be a part of the creative process because we are the ones who have such a strong trusting relationship with our audience. And if you can replicate that and tap into that with a brand, you're golden. Um, and there's still so much, a long way to come with that. But um, yeah, so within the past year and a half, I've done traditional brand deals um, and done some pop culture hosting forward facing, but on the back end have just been building out a clientele for consulting so that I can have longevity in this industry that I feel so passionate about and also bring others along with me who don't have a traditional resume like me um, and want to get into the creative field. And I think that um, there are so many creatives on these apps that would kill to leave their traditional nine to five to work for a brand that has maybe doesn't really know what they're doing on social media. I, I just think there's so much opportunity out there and I want to shine light on that. And I've had the biggest and best opportunities to speak with some of the greatest thought leaders and CEOs and CMOs in the world because of this. But I, I always have to kind of pinch myself and remind myself that just a year and a half ago, I was rolling silverware um, and waitressing. And within eight months, I got Forbes 30 under 30. Um, so it's a lot. Um, I feel like I just talked everybody's ear off, but no, it's great. Like, I think it shows like what you can accomplish. Like you just taking that time to be like, Hey, this is, this is what I've done in a year and a half. And I don't know, I'm just like blown away by it. So no, I'm so glad that you just like went straight into it because. But I also feel like there are so many, I mean, I'm so blessed and happy that this happened mm -hmm. to me. And I love kind of being the voice for this a lot. Like I went to Can Lions and was on a bunch of panels there. I did South by Southwest. I did all these conferences, which doesn't sound super like chic, but like, that's what I like live and breathe for. And I'm speaking as the voice for creatives in the creator economy. And that is such a privilege and such a blessing. But I also feel like there should be so many other voices and so many other people who have the opportunities that I have. Um, and I just hope that my story leads to more because there's definitely space for it um, and there's a need for it. And I want to continue to speak that and let other people know that so they're not afraid to go after it. Although I'm not there yet myself, I know a lot of you listening have children and want to set up your child for success. So IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Oh my gosh, I wish I would have had IXL when I was going through school because I really needed that extra help just to like get things implemented into my brain so that I could really know what I was learning and not just be like 
I don't know, I had a good memory, but I don't think I actually learned something, but that's really through repetition. And I feel like IXL is wonderful for that. I think this is such a wonderful product for anybody who's like just struggling with a topic or just trying to get ahead, study for a test. It really can help in so many ways. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And Better Tomorrow with Hannah Brown listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash Hannah B. Visit IXL.com slash Hannah B to get the most effective learning program out there for the best price. Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, tap into your own power, and build towards summer you. Peloton accommodates your schedule with a variety of class lengths to choose from. Even if you only have five minutes, there's classes to get your body moving. Peloton has a range of class types to fit for every goal and mood. If you can't run, take a walking class, need some grounding, try yoga. If you want to level up, go to the Pilates hit workouts. Move at your own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take the guesswork out of working out. So you can just jump right in, keeping your fitness journey fresh every day. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I love Peloton. I feel like Peloton was what really helped me stay consistent um, with moving my body the past few years when sometimes times, um, whether it was a pandemic or an injury or health stuff going on that sometimes would limit the way that I would normally like routinely work out that I was moving my body a little bit every day and also diversifying depending on what my needs were at the time. There was a lot of time where I couldn't have this super high intensity workout and just needed some help of how can I move my body with what I have right now? Maybe the limitations I have. I feel like Peloton just has something for everyone um, at any level and at any time and season in your life. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. I think though what makes you unique and what people that are, you know, really interested in content creation need to see about your story that I think has made you very successful is you have, you have something that you can to really offer, not just that you can edit things great, that you have knowledge, but you, you go, you've gone into this because you do have this background and you've learned how to use the education that you have, the thing that you're passionate about. And you've been really smart and strategic about the type of content you put out there. I I would not call you an influencer. That would not be a name that I would call. And there's nothing wrong with an influencer. And I kind of battle with that as well. And at the beginning, I definitely had to do traditional content creation as well to make a living and to, to earn money. And what I realized in the traditional stuff I was doing was, okay, I need to leave this up to the big leagues and to people who are so good at this because I definitely am not like a traditional influencer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that I have influence and I love that people are invested in my story. But I feel like um, there isn't, I don't know if there's a word for what I do yet, but maybe with my PR skills, I can come up with one. But um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily like an influencer, but I wouldn't say I'm not, you know? So I think that, I was very strategic about the type of content that I made. Um, And at first, 
I was kind of like shy about that and was like, oh my God, my videos are doing really well. This is happening. Oh my God. Like, I can't believe this is happening to me. And then I was like, you know what? Wait a minute. No, I'm going to own that because that was strategy and I know my worth and I know that there was a reason behind I did how I did like what I did. Um, so yeah, I mean, there was definitely strategy behind it. And I always, my biggest fear was like, I want to have longevity in this industry. And how do you have longevity in this industry is having something to offer something that is valuable, but something that is niche. So for example, when people think of marketing and branding, when Gen Z thinks of marketing and branding, I would hope and think that a lot of the time they think of girl boss town. Um, they tag me in campaign. Whenever a new campaign comes out with any brand, my name is in the comments. Um, so it's just like so cool that I was able to do that and, um, something I'm really proud of, but also something that I know will inspire future generations in content creation or even just in how they choose a career. I always said growing up, I watched the Hills and I wanted to be Lauren Conrad and work at Teen Vogue. Now kids grow up, they watch their phones and they want to be influencers. I kind of want to mesh the both. I want kids to watch me as they're growing up and like the influencer scene, but also want to be behind the scenes, be a part of the creative. So mix a little bit of like what I grew up watching the Hills and showing the behind the scenes with a little bit of like influencer culture and fandom and kind of mesh both of those and create a career out of that. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, influencer culture is really important to be able to have the the base of that for the longevity. Yeah. But I think sometimes people just step into that and are like, I just, let's see where this goes, where it seems like you, you. And it's hard not to, because when you first yeah. step into it, you're like, oh my gosh, this yeah. is great. You know what I mean? And that's still like, that's still a part of the way that I do my business. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's essential and it's a great asset to have. Mm-hmm but what I think is cool. And I think I say why I'm so like, this is what's so cool is for me. I just kind of got thrown into it and I can, I can genuinely say that. Like I came home, I came home to my, my phone because you don't have your phone when I was on the bachelorette and I had 2 million followers. Like I did not grow that. Um, so for me, I, I think I just admire so much that you took from everything that you learned, like in the, world and and can now use that mm-hmm. create that longevity for you and it's not just trying to compete with other influencers like you said there are some people that like are a-list influencers that they they're are great at what they do they're great and it's actually a lot harder tell me applesauce like i'm like i'll i'll do anything that they do it is, it is harder than it is uh, a lot harder and there is a lot of strategy in that but i love how you separated yourself and like you said, there's not really anybody else in your space. You've had multiple like brands and celebrities already like reach out to you and pick your brain. I don't know if you can say, but has there been anybody that you've just been like so shocked and like freaked out that they wanted to know what what advice you had for them or what uh, strategies you thought they should take in their career? Um, I think, I mean, there's a couple but I like, for example, I got to meet um, Drew Barrymore, um, who like just as a guest of the Drew Barrymore show. Like this, like I was not on the show, um, but you were, on the show, you were just like in 
You were you were on Drew Barrymore? No, 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 no. I was I was just a guest of the show, but I got to meet her afterwards and speak with her. Oh, and um just like things like that and talk to her about strategy and social. And like, I'm the biggest fan of her book ever. It's my favorite book ever. So talking to her about that, I got invited to Hailey Bieber's road launch party. And you know how like influencers get invited to like those events, like that's still so cool. But for her to like know who I am, reference my videos, like it's just, it's, it's so crazy to me, but I will say that like at the beginning of all of this in like 2021, when I was moving into my apartment, I, um, watched like the D'Amelio show on Hulu Mm -hmm. and, um, I was like, wow, this is actually like a a massive career. And like, I kind of just studied it. And the D'Amelio family was like the first family to reach out to me and their team when I had like 15,000 followers and throughout my like journey in content and my career have always welcomed me with open arms, helped me with anything that I needed are just so kind, um, especially their team and Heidi um, and have just given me great advice. And it's like, I watched their TV show and like two months later I was like at their house. It's just, it's, it's crazy that, these people that I've like looked up to um, know who I am. And we were having conversations about creative strategy and things like that. Like at Can Lions, when the biggest CEOs and CMOs of the world and their teams were coming over to me saying they're a fan of my work, I'm like, I couldn't even get a job a year and a half ago. And now the people who run the industry are like tapping me for advice or tapping me to speak on panels. It's just, it's, it's, crazy like it's literally crazy and it happened fast but I feel like I've been working for it my whole life so it's a lot to wrap my brain around you made this happen for yourself and I think that is a a lot that a lot of people could take um some inspiration from you of like I remember putting out all my resumes everywhere and you're like yeah I'll try for chick like to be on work for chick-fil-a or sephora and marketing I also did communications and public relations um and then you don't hear back. But like now these people are the head of these huge companies who didn't, nobody probably read your resume from LinkedIn. No. Now are asking for advice. Like that is, is so cool. Yeah. Um, and like I'm speaking on panels with them and having conversations, which is like, that is a really big part of my career that like I show a little bit of, but I'm mm-hmm. not a lot of like creators or influencers want to go to like business conferences, but it's like a big part of what I do, but it helps me so much with my job because I get to be face to face with people and kind of tell my story and then see where the industry is from their point of view and kind of mesh the two. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a massive, massive privilege. Yeah. It's a great, a great networking place yes, for you definitely. to be, is to be able to be in their face because ultimately one day, like, where do you see your career going? Like, what is a career goal that you have? In my lifetime, I would like to um, help be a part of a Super Bowl commercial. I want to create and expand a consulting agency of my own. Um, Right now, I'm doing it like alone by myself, kind of behind the curtain. And um, the format is different with every brand that I work with, but I kind of want to raise capital and expand and open up a creative consulting agency of my own so I can allow others like me to be a part of this industry um, and to continue to hopefully shift um, 
the narrative around certain types of content creation or what it means to have a career in marketing and how to get there. And then third, I want to um, write a book um, about grief, but not like about myself. Like I would love to write like a YA or like teen romance type book and or series about grief and really hone in on my philanthropic work with the grief community. Which I also want to ask you about. I am so just thankful that there there are these experience camps and I would love for you to um, tell people a little bit more about them and why you got involved because this yeah. is, um, you are a volunteer and do a lot of philanthropic work yeah. surrounding grief. So can you just tell yeah. uh, why that's important to you and then more yeah. about experience camps? So my mom got sick when I was 16 years old with a brain aneurysm and um, I ended up, uh, my mom ended up passing away when I was 20 from cancer. But as a 16 year old girl navigating grief and the loss of a healthy parent to a sick parent is one thing. Mm -hmm. And that needs to be spoken about more, but then navigating the grief and loss of my sick parent when she, when my mom passed away was another thing. And 16 years old and 20 years old are very pivotal years in a woman's life or anybody's life. And um, going through that type of grief and loss, I was completely lost. Um, But it didn't hit me until, I mean, obviously it hit me right away, but I feel like those feelings of grief and loss really genuinely started to affect my life a couple years after when the dust settled. And I was struggling to find purpose because when you lose the person who brings you into the world, you don't really know how to navigate it. A lot of the times, at least that's what I felt. And you feel genuine heartbreak. Um, And you also feel in a weird way guilty because your life can continue now that you don't have a sick parent anymore, but you would want that sick parent back, but you wouldn't want them sick. There's just so many different emotions that are so taboo to talk about in society When I say, oh, like my mom passed away, everybody goes like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I don't blame them for saying that, but it's because we live in a society where like saying those types of things, the first response of somebody, what they want to do is just to like make it feel better Mm -hmm. instead of like talking about it and like expressing those feelings and getting those feelings out and navigating grief. And there's so much work to do when it comes to navigating grief if you've gone through it being a friend and navigating if somebody's gone through a loss and just, I was so lost and I ended up finding experience camps through a mutual friend of mine um, who had lost a, a parent as well. And it fully changed my life. I'm not like, I, I cannot speak more about it. And it's the number one thing that I'm the most passionate about because at the end of the day, like, what makes me feel the most like myself and the most when I love myself the most and feel the most me is when I'm working at these camps. So it's something that I'm always trying to incorporate in my life, even when camp isn't going on. But to give you a little background on experience camps, um, it's an award-winning nonprofit that transforms the lives of grieving children through summer programs and camps, and then all year round as well through different programs. And 6 million kids a year will experience the death of a parent, sibling, or primary caregiver in the country by the time they turn 18. 
um, which is massive. Um, I, I, I didn't know that fact until I was like doing my like X camps pitch research. But if you really think about that, it's insane. And a thousand two hundred kids this year will come through experience camps. There's, I think like five locations we're consistently growing ever since I started five years ago, we've continued to grow and we've had to move a couple camps. I volunteer at the one in Georgia. Um, and when people think of grief camp, you're like, what do you do? Like sit around all day and cry? Like, like yes and no. Um, but not really. Um, I think why grief camp and experience camps is so powerful is when you get to opening campfire and there are a hundred, 200, 300 kids standing with you and counselors and everybody there has gone through loss, that community and knowing you're not alone will do more for somebody than you can ever know. And there are um, obviously like circle, like sessions where we go through um, grief counseling um, an hour a day at the camps. But for the most part, the camp is just like summer camp, sleepaway camp, which I love. I was a sleepaway camp early. Um, But to see these children have the time of their lives and be and feel normal while also having conversations while they're making their bed, like, oh, that was my mom's favorite color. That was my mom's favorite color too. When they can't have those conversations at school, like what that will do for a child and how that'll shift how they navigate the world in grief is so important. And the transformations that I see in kids, for example, the opening night of camp, there's a boys and girls campfire that are separate. And some people come up to speak and the first day there'll be like X amount of kids who don't even speak in um, sharing circle or grief counseling or any of the activities. They will not speak their person's name. They won't speak what's happened. And then the very last night of camp, everybody comes down to final campfire and one by one, each bunk comes up. And if you feel comfortable enough, you can share your story and watching the growth from night one to night two where these girls are speaking in front of 100, 200 people and telling their story and being able to comfortably say their person who they lost name out loud is the most magical experience ever. And I feel so close to my mom when I'm at camp because I see so much of my mom and me as I'm mothering these girls. Mm -hmm. Um, So as much as I'm helping them, they're helping me in return. And the community that I've made from experience camps has shifted my future and the way I see myself in the world. And I have nothing but amazing things to say about them. And last year they started up on TikTok. I helped them a little bit. And the people who run their TikTok now is incredible. There's been some documentaries being made on it that has been shown on TikTok. Um, They're getting into Roblox where there's like this, you know, that like kids game Roblox, they're creating a safe grief like environment for kids to talk on Roblox about their feelings when it comes to grief. They're really expanding and growing and doing such amazing things from when I started with them five years ago. So I'm so proud of that. And if anybody listening to this is interested, you can definitely go to the website and check that out or um, DM me uh, to get involved because there's a lot of ways that you can get involved and you don't have to lose somebody to get involved as well. And it is, by the way, it is free for the kids to go um, to the camp. No, I um, it was one of the things that I would, one of the things that I've been the most impressed by that I've seen in a long time and think it's so needed. Mm-hmm. I watched um, the like documentary 
how special the the grief camp and it I was just like I don't I don't cry that much but I think it's because I didn't learn how to really um navigate grief from when I was younger I also like had a tragic loss and um I think it really affected me watching these like younger kids have a safe space to be able to Mm-hmm. talk about their grief. Cause I know for me, I like has suppressed it for so long until like the past, maybe four years. Mm-hmm. Because I, like you said, people would, I would say, yeah, this happened. And it, first of all, made everybody uncomfortable. And then I didn't feel like I should say anything. Cause I knew I was making other people uncomfortable sharing my pain, but to watch these little girls be able to say those mixed emotions of you can feel like really sad, but then also happy to be reminded by about your person. Mm-hmm. Also be mad that they're gone. Yes. And, and say like, Hey, Hey, when I, I don't like talking about this sometimes because it makes me want to cry, but I know I need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And, and to have people around you that like get it and mm-hmm. know that and, and can support you in that way and fill that space to feel that at such a young age. It's detrimental. Mm-hmm. It's so important. It will drastically change your life. And you maybe don't have to spend as much of it on said, As you watched it, you you can't help but become emotional because you watch even how they articulate mm-hmm. their grief. It's so special. Um, and you see the power of camp. Like, in even how they're speaking about grief, like after a week. And for me, I've had the same girls um, since they were 12 and they're 17 this year. It's going to be their last year. Um, so I've grown up with them. And even having these conversations, especially with the teen boys and the teen girls that aren't necessarily like all about grief, but just like about high school, like what are things you would want to ask your parent that's not here or like, what, what don't you really feel safe talking about at home around maybe your parent or siblings that are still here that you wish you could reach out to that person? Um, and just having that safe space and the lessons that I learn from these children and young adults, I want the world to see. Like, it's so powerful. And that's why I'm so happy light is being shown on um, this very magical place that like I call like my second home. Um, and even as adults, like, I feel like you said you had suppressed your grief for four years. A lot of my friends who I get to volunteer who have gone through loss, they're like, well, I can't help kids. Like, I don't even know how to talk about it myself. I'm like, that's the point. I'm Mm -hmm. like, you guys are both in this position and you guys both have that fear. But since you both have that fear, it's a commonality and it it builds community and you'll be shocked. Like the way that people's layers just come and peel at camp, it's just like, because you just feel safe. Like when is the last time you felt safe speaking about somebody that you lost in a room full of people? Like it's maybe never. But do you still struggle like with navigating grief or do you you feel like you... Yes, definitely. I feel like this is something that people probably don't want to hear, but I'm going to be honest. For me personally, even though I've had the best support system, I love Experience Camp so much, it literally saved my life. Um, I do find it harder. It's It continues to stay hard to na- navigate grief as you grow older because some of the things that weren't as hard when you were younger 
become more apparent now. And that's why I always say grief isn't linear. So mm-hmm. it's like, I, I feel so comfortable in navigating my grief. I, I love talking about it. I love camp, but it's not linear. Like as a, I'm 29 and I'm single and I am thinking about like my future and I'm, I deal with anxiety and depression. And these are things that my mom dealt with. And I'm seeing more of my mom and myself as I get older and as I struggle with things and I feel so close and connected to her, which is great, but that almost makes it harder. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm always like, it's not linear. It's so difficult to navigate. You're going to have to deal with grief every day, but you learn how to go about it. Like you learn how to live with it. And that sounds so depressing and so dark, but I I don't think it is. I I think to have grief and to be sad over somebody's loss too, like what Andrew Garfield said in that interview is like, that's all the love that you still have to give them that was lost because you can't give it to them anymore. So um, I think that even though it might sound like a sad, dark sucks that grief's never going to go away, it's a part of life and you learn to live with it and that can be beautiful. I totally get that. But what I love and I hope people hear from this is sometimes I think how we deal with our grief or I think I did is I moved against it instead of just like accepting it and letting it like go through me because now there's a lot stuck in me. It's just stuck. I was just going to say, and it'll show Mm -hmm. physically that you're holding on to this trauma and this grief. Like it will be so apparent that it's in there and like it takes a while to come out and to work through. So even to take the step to do that is massive. But I part of my rock bottom for sure of just yeah. and it becomes like you said very apparent. Mm-hmm. And um, but man, even though it hurts, it's like a, it is like a hurt so good. Like it, it hurts to talk about. It makes you sad. It, yeah, there's sadness. There's pain. Man, like just to be able to have somebody um, to talk to about it or just to release it for yourself is is the best thing that you can do to move through it. And in, in some way, like you said, it's like kind of depressing to hear that it never goes away. But for people like you and I and other people that are on the journey of it feels like, man, like you're trying so much, you're doing all these things, you're, t- you have all the, this toolbox, but there's something that feels good to know. Like you said, that you're not alone of it ebbs and flows and it's and always also, like, it's okay to grieve somebody who you maybe didn't have the best relationship with. Yeah. And it's okay to like grieve somebody like you lost them. Like I'm saying, and you didn't have a relationship with them and you're trying to figure out this relationship with them after they passed or you had to take care of your parent for X amount of years. And after they passed, it was the worst thing that ever happened to you. But now you're able to go to school and you feel guilty about like, there's just so, it looks so different. So, so different. So if there's one thing I can say for anybody listening to this, grief looks different for everybody. There are so many different ways to grieve. And like, if you can tap into these tools and resources to help you do that, I would definitely recommend it because it like changed me and it, with what you were saying, how you suppressed it, that's natural human emotion to do that. Your brain chemistry literally blacks out traumatic things that you go through because your body doesn't want to stay in fight or, um, fight or flight. Is that how you say it? Um, so 
never guilt or shame yourself for doing so because there's no handbook of being like, hey, my mom just died. I went to Chili's when my mom died, okay? I went to Chili's and picked up food after I lost my mom and then just like sat there in my room and was like, what is life? Like, there's no handbook. There's no rule book of how you should go about this. So if you're listening to this, you're not alone. It's not too late to start to try to peel back some of the pieces or navigate it. And if there's resources there for you, please try to use them because it'll change your life. Well, thank you for being a resource and to continue to have that a part of your platform and to speak out about. Um, Because it was really impactful for me. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that just knowing that this is something that you constantly talk about are going to appreciate to have somebody um, in the world, in their space that they can look to. I'm sorry I kept you so long, but you just have so much advice and wisdom and strategy that just is fascinating to me. I just love the way your brain works. And I, I like to like see you work your magic in, in real time. It's really cool. So thank you so much for coming on today, Better Tomorrow, and also sharing just about grief. I think that's going to be really helpful for a lot of people. And it just shows like all these different sides of you. Um, so if you want to continue to follow Robin, can you just tell them where to go for all your information? Well, first and foremost, I always say that like time and energy is the biggest currency in this industry. So for you to take the time, want to get to know me, hear my story, and those people listening, that is the biggest gift and privilege ever. So thank you so much. And um, if you want to follow me, it's at GirlBossTown, G-I-R-L-B-O-S-S-T-O-W-N on Instagram and TikTok and Experience Camps. If you want to learn more about that, you can check out at Experience Camps on TikTok and Instagram um, and Facebook, I believe, and their website um, to get involved if you have any questions. Perfect. Thank you so much, Robin. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to the episode. Better Tomorrow is produced by me, Hannah Brown, and Legos Creative. Our producer is Andrew Stalmer. Our show is recorded, engineered, and edited by the Legos Creative team. Remember to follow Better Tomorrow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss the next episode. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps and shows your support. You can follow me on socials at Hannah Brown and you can stay updated on all things Better Tomorrow on our Instagram at Better Tomorrow and our TikTok Better Tomorrow podcast. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of an infection including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available.
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I have been in a really awesome season, but also a season that has been pretty stressful. There's been a lot going on. Um, I can see where some of those things that really keep me grounded. Um, I have not been able to make time for and not know how to do that. And so it's been weighing on me a little bit. And look, we all carry around different stressors that can be big or small, but when we keep them bottled up and don't talk about like what's going on in our life, it can really affect us negatively. So therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest to really talk about what you're going through and figure out a way to work through whatever that is that's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge if like you're just not feeling that connected with somebody you can always try it again get it off your chest with BetterHelp. visit betterhelp.com slash tomorrow today to get 10% off your first order that's betterhelp h-e-l-p dot com slash tomorrow